podcast of Antioch Church in Colorado Springs. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to support the work we're doing in Colorado Springs, you can give online at our website, antiochcos.com. We hope that the Lord ministers to you through this message. Uh, But this is, there is something about this day and a day that is literally the cornerstone of everything that we believe in. Everything that we believe in. All of our activity in the Christian faith rises and falls on this day. Everything. Everything that we believe to be true about the scriptures rises and falls on this day. And we're going to talk a little bit about that here this morning. Again, I want to just welcome you today. Uh, If you have your Bibles, go ahead and have those handy because we're going to be looking at uh, several passages today. Our gospel text is in the book of Luke 24. So we can go to Luke chapter 24 verses 1 through 12. With all of you who are new with us today, Chrissy made mention of um, a guest dinner. And one of the things that we like to do, just um, not only as a gesture, but as an authentic uh, invitation to connect with you and your story, as well as allow you to connect with us, is we like to host a meal. And uh, it's a meal that my wife and I are present at, some of the other leaders in our church are present at, and really it's just a time to eat some good food, to connect on our life stories, as well as to answer any questions that you might have about who Antioch is, what we're up to, where we're going, um, and to ask some of those particular questions that would help you to integrate more into a local church. Um, If you are here today and you are looking and praying, we want you to know we are praying with you uh, because we have a certain conviction around here that life was never meant to be lived alone and the life in faith in particular was not meant to be lived alone. It was it was meant to be lived in family, um, in Christian family. And so uh, our arms are always open. We have an open chair policy here, which means if God is calling somebody into this house, well, we want to give ourselves to them and grow together. And our guest dinner is one of the ways for us to discern that and make that happen. So you can look on your bulletin. Also, it should be on one of our slides, but the um, exact date here is on Sunday, May the 19th. And you can register online at antiochcos.com. We'd love to meet with you that night. All right, let's go to Luke chapter 24, church, shall we? Luke chapter 24. And we are going to pick up Luke's account of the resurrection story. Let's read verses 1 through 12, and then we'll pray together. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices that they had prepared, and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, if you're taking notes, or if you like to write in your Bibles, you could circle or underline that word wondering, or you can just jot that down on your iPhones or on a notepad. Just write down that word wondering. While they were were wondering, they were perplexed, they were They were maybe a little confused about this. Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. Because what else do you do when two men show up in bright white clothes? Naturally, you bow down, right? So they bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living 
among the dead. We sang that today. Why do you look for the living among the dead? I don't know. Maybe because he was dead. And this is where you go to to meet with dead people. And so there's something going on here. And to be honest with you guys, that question, it has been plaguing me for weeks. And it has been just getting inside deep. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? We'll touch that here in a few minutes. Verse 6, he is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day raised again. That's in quotations because that is literally word for word what Jesus said to his followers, of whom these ladies were present when he shared that. Verse 8, then they remembered his words. Then they remembered. They had to be reminded of what Jesus said which he said multiple times. Verse nine, when they came back from the tomb, they told all of these things to the leaven and then to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the others with them who told this to the apostles, verse 11. But they did not believe the women. So not only did they not believe the Christ, they did not believe Christ's messengers, the women. Because why? Their words seemed to them like nonsense, crazy talk. Okay, they're just talking crazy. This is crazy. Verse 12, Peter, however, got up and he ran to the tomb, bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away, here's our word again, wondering to himself what had happened. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much today. Again, thank you. Thank you for what you did on the cross. Thank you, O God, that you took upon yourself the sin of all humanity. But thank you, O God, that it didn't stop there. It didn't stay there. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you rose again from the dead. You defeated death. You absolutely absolved sin of every form, of every type, of every degree. And the resurrection is the quintessential evidence that you have destroyed that which has kept us from you. We have victory, life, hope, and peace in you. And today we proclaim it, we believe it, and we ask that your Holy Spirit would minister this to us today in a deeper way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I wanna talk here just for a few minutes that we have together about the fact that the resurrection does not make sense. It just absolutely doesn't make sense. And I want to talk here for a few minutes about the fact that we may not understand everything that there is to understand in this Christian life. I think something happens, and if we're not careful, this can happen to every single one of us, but the longer that we're in something, particularly something that has some form of a rhythm or a repetitive nature to it, I think what happens if we're not careful is we just automatically assume we know what's happening there. We begin to tune things out. It's like people who read books again, like more than once. I'm like, seriously, the Lord of the Rings took you like five months to read and you're gonna read it again? I don't know, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Seriously. 
Like seriously, my buddy Dan, he's read The Count of Monte Cristo, which is like an eight billion page book, like 50 times. He's like, sir, will you please just read it once? I'm like, you probably have the thing memorized. Why would you do that? Why would you read it again? And he's like, because every time I read it, I get something new out of it. I get something new. There's some nuance. There's some thing that comes to light. But if we're not careful, we're, I think we're wired this way, particularly as it comes to church. Oh, I've heard that song. Oh, yeah. I've heard that song. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know exactly how this is going to go. They're going to, Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. We're going to sing a couple of fast songs, maybe a slow song. We're going to go through the gospel. Heard it, been there, done that, right? Christy's going to come up. She's going to be dressed in really bright clothes, but talk about, you know, and she's going to try to, you know, hoorah, and just, you know, rally us up. And, okay, yeah, okay, I've, I've, been, I've, I've done all that. Somehow she's going to throw nations in there, okay, right? Because that's what she does. That's what she does, exactly. So we can just kind of get into this narrative of like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've, I've, I've read these passages before. I'm here to tell you, man, Luke chapter 24, 1 through 12, yeah, I've read that. I don't even know how many times I've read it in the past 30 years that I've been a devout follower of Jesus, but I've read it, I've read it a lot. Maybe over 100, maybe. I've read it a lot. And yet, as I'm in the yoke of saying, God, what is the Holy Spirit breathing onto us today for now, for our lives? There's just new things that he's cracking open that were always there before. I just could not see them. Maybe I wasn't supposed to see them. Maybe I wasn't ready to see them. But here's the thing. Jesus, on multiple occasions, we're just aware in one gospel that he shared three times with his disciples that he was going to be killed. He was going to be buried and he was gonna raise again from the dead. He, this isn't new information. This was not the first time they heard this when the angels popped up and they said, hey, in fact, they were like, hey, remember? To which I think there's a little bit of kind of religious arrogance that rises up, at least in me, that goes, yeah, remember? I mean, like, you know, there's a side of us that goes, he's been telling you this all along. How could you forget the most important thing? It reminds me of my kids. I just gonna I mean, think about that. I mean, particularly, I don't know, if, like maybe in that three to, I don't know, 20 year span. <laughs> and it's like, if there's anything good that you say, hey, we're gonna go to the avalanche game. Hey, we're gonna have an Easter egg hunt. Hey, we're gonna go to Chuck E. Cheese. Hey, we're gonna, and it's like, did you just forget? Or is there some kind of game that you're playing that literally every five minutes you're like, hey, are we, are we doing the Easter egg hunt today? Yeah, we are for the 25th time in one hour. We are, we're going to do it. It's like, okay, what's going on here? This is kind of what, what's going on. Like Jesus has been with the inner circle of his closest followers, been telling them, hey guys, something's coming. Something's coming. And on the day that it's happening, they don't even realize it's happening. Now, before we get too judgmental, the preacher in me just has to kind of give you a little bit of a warning because that's us. Okay, but we'll get there. Hey, hey, look with me if you would, because some of you are looking at me like you don't believe me. Look with me if you would at Luke chapter 9, Brittany. Luke chapter 9. Look at verse 21 through 22. Luke chapter 9, verse 21 through 22. Jesus warned his disciples. Luke 9, 21 through 22. Jesus warned his disciples not to tell anyone who he was. And then look at this. Here's our quotations. The Son of Man must suffer many terrible things. He said he will be rejected by the religious leaders, the elders of the day. 
He will be rejected by the leading priests. He'll be rejected by the teachers of the religious law. He will be killed. This is happening. He's got to prepare them for this awful news. Guys, I am going to die willingly. This is part of the purpose of God. He's sharing, he's trying to prepare their hearts and their minds for this. He goes, listen, but on the third day, I'll be raised again from the dead. And again, to which I go, that's, that's the good news. And yet somehow, somehow I think like they showed up late to class on that day. Because either they didn't hear it, they didn't realize what was happening when it was happening, or they did not understand it. Okay, let's, let's, let's come over here and let's look over here at Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. This one's fascinating. And this one right here, you guys, has had me literally befuddled. Isn't that a fun word, befuddled? It's had me befuddled and confused for years. But look right here at Luke chapter 18, verse 31 through 34. Luke 18, 31 through 34. Jesus took the 12. Who are the 12? These are his closest followers. This is the inner circle of his students, and they were his friends. And he took them aside, and he said to them, listen, we're going to go to Jerusalem. This is the place where he was crucified. Everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. So now Jesus is now referencing hundreds, even upon thousands of ancient documents that have all said, this guy is going to die. I mean, he's just referencing all of those, everything they said about me, Guys, it's going to happen. It's going to happen to me. It's going to happen in our lifetime. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Yep. Again, like my kids. Huh, Dad? Yep, got it. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. What'd I say? <laughs> Kenya. That's Kenya right there. Uh, Jesus? You, you said Jesus. You said. Okay. Verse 32, here's G, he's still sharing with them. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles, to which I go, when this is happening, are they not going, this, this is that. Nope, not happening. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. And then when we get to the passion narratives, we see everything Jesus said that they're gonna do to me, it's happening. It's happening. They will flog him. They will kill him. Oh, here it is. On the third day, he will rise again. To which if you were there, would you not be counting like, okay, I'm counting down. From the moment that all of this starts to unfold and the moment he's hanging and the moment, and the scripture says right before the passage we read in Luke 24, in the closing verses of chapter 23, the scripture actually says that these same women who were the first to show up to the tomb, where were the guys at? They were sleeping in, okay? Yeah, they were sleeping in. But the women, Luke chapter 23 says, they found out this man, Joseph of Arimathea, who purchased a tomb, asked for the body, wrapped it in linen, went, and the women are just kind of, they're just subtly following What's going on? So now they know how they know where the tomb was. Well, because they were getting their spy game on. They were watching. They were like, oh, that's where the tomb is. Okay, all right, come on, let's go get those spices. Okay? <laughs> and then it says that they went and they, they prepared spices. Now I have to apologize because I've not done proper exegetical work to, de- to de- determine for you how long it takes to make spices. 
But without KitchenAids, my assumption is, and crude materials, it probably took a while to make these spices to anoint his burial so that he has a proper burial. It's like, it was, it was an ancient form of like formaldehyde, right? To keep the body. So they go home, they make these spices, and then they want to show up on the next day, but what is it? It's Sabbath, they can't. But if it weren't, I guarantee you, they would have ran home, made the spices, and ran back as quickly as they could. So they did the next best thing. They honored the scriptures for Sabbath, and then they show up. What does your Bible say? Very early in the morning. And yet, they're doing all of these things, and they're doing it out of a good heart, and they're doing it out of a love for Jesus, but they're not doing it because they believe he's resurrected. Because think about it. Why go home and make spices to put on a dead body that is not dead anymore? Save your time. (laughs) To which, when the angels go, why are you looking for the living among the dead? It's because they were not looking for the living. Right? They had spices to anoint him they were looking for a dead man. And that's why the angels said exactly what we just read. Don't you remember? Don't you remember? Let me, let me, let me just remind you. Let's go back here to Luke chapter 18. So Jesus says again, this is now the second time. Jesus says again, these awful things are going to happen to me on the third day. I'm going to rise. Look at verse 34. This is amazing. The disciples did not understand any of this. Everything that we just read, the scriptures, your Bible, my Bible says they didn't understand a word. Its meaning was hidden from them. And then point three, they did not know what he was talking about. Now, anytime you start seeing something in the Bible repeated more than once, I'll just give you a little hermeneutical tool. You got to pay attention, particularly when it's in the same verse. Guys, this is three moments in one verse that are all essentially saying the exact same thing. They didn't understand. The meaning was hidden. They had no idea what he was talking about. And what I want to conjecture to you is that's you and me. And what we have to do is we got to be really careful when we start thinking, oh, yeah, I, I, I know what that's all about. You and I, we do not know what this resurrection thing is about. I think we have glimpses. I think we're kind of leaning into this progressive unfolding revelation to where like each year when we touch this, it goes, oh, Right? And then we stay faithful and we walk in step with Jesus. And the next year we come around at the same time and go, oh. Right? And the resurrection, the potency and the power, that which was hidden in the revelation in the resurrection, it is, it's it's like a time bomb, right? It just over time, it's like a time release. It's a time release revelation. So here's the message to all of us. Be careful when you think you understand everything about this Christian walk. Be careful. Be careful when you think you understand everything that the resurrection is because let me say this, the resurrection absolutely changed everything and nothing makes sense without the resurrection. Okay, let me just kind of get into this here for a few minutes. 
Okay, Jonathan, I might need you to help you pull this out of me on, on the organ. Okay, just, just listen. Jesus said, if someone comes up and they slap you on their face, what do you do? You turn the other cheek. There is absolutely, no, I'm sorry, there ain't no way I'm doing that. Without the resurrection. <laughs> because without the resurrection, it makes no sense. This kingdom is absolutely upside down. So Jesus says, okay, hey, listen, your enemies, when they persecute you, Christy prayed for the persecuted countries right now. When your enemies, when they come and they're, they're making threats about you and your enemies who clearly don't like you and they're shutting down your rights and on a national level, they're, they're ostracizing you. What does the Bible say to do? Huh? The, the Bible says, bless them. Do you know what a blessing is? The blessing, when we go into Jewish culture and heritage and history, was one of the most powerful things that you put on someone, and it was so revered, and it was so sacred, it was so powerful, it was reserved for families that went down and increased the goodness of favor of God on people generationally. And Jesus is saying, take that goodness that is reserved for your best and give it to people who hate you. To which I go, this makes no sense without the resurrection. To which I also go, even with the the resurrection. I don't understand this because I don't fully understand this new life that God has made possible by the resurrection. Oh, let's just go into another one. You mean to tell me that someone who hurts me, that you want me to forgive them, even if they have hurt me more than once? Yeah, more than once. Actually, how about 70 times seven? I have a hard time forgiving someone who has hurt me seven times, let alone 70 times, let alone 70 times seven in the same day is what Jesus said. I don't make any sense. Doesn't make sense. And here's the thing. I don't understand that because I don't fully understand the resurrection. I don't fully understand what is made possible by this new world that God has invited me into. It's like stepping into Narnia for the first time, right? And you're going, okay, hold up. Hold up, wait a minute. You look like a fawn, and you got, but you got a head, and you're talking to me. That's weird. Okay, I'm backing up. And you're like, when it's, it's June, and you're Father Christmas, and you're showing up to me, and what is going, why is it so cold around here? Read the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, guys. <laughs> See, you don't understand what I'm talking about. It's like entering into a foreign world. And let me just share, Christianity, the kingdom of God is a foreign world. It is a foreign world. And we don't have it down yet. We don't. And I could go on and on and on to all the implications that this new life says. Because here's what's natural. I don't know about you, but what's natural for me is when I get a title and I get a little bit of glimpse of power and position, dude, that goes straight to my head. Just like my kids. Milan, whenever Christy and I, we're like in that, we're in that season where it's like, okay, mommy and daddy, we're gonna be close. We're gonna take a walk around the block but we're going to be close. We're literally, we can hear everything that's going on in the screen window, but we want you to know we're just going to step out of this zone. And she's like, you mean I get to, you mean I get to like tell the kids what to do? <laughs> no, no, not really. We're, we're, what we're asking you to do is just kind of be in a very gentle and gracious way, Milan, just be present. So wait, 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 wait. You, you mean to tell me that they got to do everything I tell them to do? No, no I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not really saying that. But man, power just goes here. And that's natural. That power is like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I got some power now. 
And Jesus is saying, when you have power, actually take that power and instead of ruling over, make yourself come under. And here's what I'm gonna show you, what I'm gonna do with power. I'm actually gonna get down on my knees in the position of a servant and I'm gonna go first and I'm gonna wash your feet, the very thing that the slaves of that day were supposed to do. And this doesn't make any sense without the resurrection. And even with the resurrection, it still doesn't make sense because we don't really understand the resurrection. We have no idea. And what I'm hoping today is that something is awakened inside of us that goes, there is something to this new world, this new creation, this new life, this new humanity that you have made possible that I absolutely thought I understood before, but I do not understand because when we really understand this new kingdom that God calls us into made possible by the revelation, by the resurrection, everything changes. Right? So here's a couple of things to think about. We see three responses here. Let's go back to our text in Luke chapter 24 and this is not exhaustive. It's just taken straight out of the text, but somewhere in that might be you. Definitely I know is me. Okay, the first people that we see in the story is a group of women. And we see a group of women. They're the first there. They're the first on the scene, the first on the site, okay? And though they forget when the angelic messengers remind them, the scripture says they remembered. So there is this sense of faith that was already built in, even though they didn't understand the resurrection, there was a response to the message of the resurrection. Haven't you ever wondered, why is it that when he says, I'm gonna raise again from the dead, I'm gonna raise again from the dead, I'm gonna raise again from the dead, and then they show up and he's not there? I'd be a little disappointed. Think about that. They're excited, I mean, you know, they're going there to see a dead person. We'll get, but Jesus said, I mean, Jesus could have, if he wanted to, if he wanted to, he could have been there waiting for them. I think that'd be pretty cool. I would have freaked out. But I think if I'm honest with myself, if I'm one of those ladies and I show up, I'm still not sure if he's risen again from the dead. I mean, you guys are dressed in white and you're telling me he is, but I'm not really sure. Where is he? He's not here. He's risen, I know, but where is he? If he's risen, I want to see him. You can't see him right now. Okay, now, 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 this is a faith walk. Now, everything that you're telling me, I have to believe by faith. Because here's the thing, if Jesus is there, when he shows up in his presence, see, because we're presence people, right? We love the presence of Jesus. Jesus is there, he shows up, his body is there. Now I get to see, taste, touch, feel, experience. Now Jesus is just one of many in the same room. He's just one of many at the same place, okay? And so all I have is I have a personal experience with him. But when I show up and he's not there, I then am invited into a journey of faith that says he is equally as present in his absence as he is in his presence. And now I'm invited into a life of faith that says I choose to believe that though I do not see him, he lives. And that because he lives, not only is he able to be just with me, because that's what we like. We like when he is right here with me. Just a one-on-one, -on -one, Jesus, you and me, here at having lunch at the table. Just you and me. 
Jesus. Will you pass the butter, please? Just me and you and me. Okay, don't focus on anybody else. And Jesus is saying, I could do that, but what I want to be is I want to be present to all people. And I can only be present to all people if you have enough faith to believe that I am present even when I'm absent. And that's why I am not here. I have risen. And so they say, hmm, we believe. We believe. We don't have all the facts. We haven't got this all figured out. We haven't put our finger in, 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 you know, in, in, in the holes in your wrist yet. We haven't done that yet, but we believe. We believe. We've been reminded. We remember and we believe. So much so do we believe that we're now going to be carriers of this message. And don't you know, isn't it interesting? We'll get into this later. But the female, the woman, was the first that was tasked to be entrusted with the message of the gospel. So all of you have a problem with women preaching, kind of have to go back to there. Because <laughs> none of us would have the gospel if it weren't for the woman. <laughs> okay? Here's the second person we have in the story. We have the other apostles. I like calling them apostles. And I just decide they're apostles. Okay? Because it kind of inflates them a little bit. And I like that. All right? Now look right here, if you would, in your Bibles, in Luke chapter 24, they are, they're so excited, they take this message back. And look right here at verse 11. They did not believe the women. Now These are the guys that rode shotgun with Jesus for three years. And what's their response? This is crazy. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean the same message that Jesus has been telling you for three years, that's crazy? Yep, it's crazy. Well, how come you never told him it was crazy? Because he wasn't a woman. You're a woman. I could tell you he's crazy. It's crazy. Think about that. Think about that. Right? To which I go, okay, did you just, just discount the message because the messenger came through a vessel that you didn't honor? Or did you discount the message because the message was something that you just didn't have enough faith to believe? Or was it both? Don't discount the message because it comes through a vessel that you can't honor. And don't discount the message because you don't understand all of it or you haven't experienced it yet. But there are some of us that discount the message and we just go, mm -mm, that's crazy. I don't believe. Y'all are stupid. We do that. Show me. Show me. Yep, I'm a tithe. I'm going to give my 10% once. I better be a billionaire next week. Show me. Show me. Show me. I don't believe. Pray for the sick. They recover. I haven't seen it. I don't believe it. It's crazy. It's crazy. Some of us respond that way. Over and over and over and over and over and over again. And Jesus pulls them away. And remember the parables. Remember, Jesus is talking all this mysterious talk to the crowds. And then he comes in and he shares with his closest disciples what these things mean. And they still don't get it. Okay, some of us are that. But then some of us are Peter. What did Peter do? Here's the ladies, they're ecstatic. And Peter's like, okay, maybe if I just slip out right now, nobody will notice. And as soon as he gets out that door, that joker is flying, right? He is flying. Because he's like, if there is even the slightest possibility that this man who has turned my life upside down, that he could live, I've got to see. I've got to find out. I've got to know. And the scripture says that he comes up to the tomb and the tomb is still empty. And, and Peter walks away, and here's our word again, and he wondered to himself, what 
is this? Some of us will hear things about the gospel. Some of us will hear things about the kingdom. Some of us will hear truths in the scripture and we'll go, I'm not really sure. There's a part of me that wants to believe and we respond in faith and yet everything doesn't work out the way we exactly think it should. I came there to see Jesus. He wasn't here, but I'm still perplexed, but I'm perplexed enough to still ponder on this and say, God, I'm oriented to discovering more. Show me more. I, I came here, I expected to see you. I'm a little disappointed that you weren't here, especially after I forgot, then you reminded me. And then I came here and you said that you were gonna be here, but you're not here, but I'm perplexed and I'm wondering and I'm confused, but yet my heart is still longing. My heart is still longing. My heart is still hoping. My heart still believes. And we find out later on the road to Emmaus and it doesn't say in the book of Luke, but actually Jesus shows up to Peter on a personal encounter. Which are we? Which am I? Which are you? Are we the ones who say, hmm, this is crazy talk. Are we the one who says, I don't really need a lot of convincing because this message of the gospel, I believe it and I'm going to be a carrier of it. Or are we the ones who say, I'm going to go and I'm going to inspect, I'm going to examine, I'm going to see for myself and I'm going to carry this and I'm going to wrestle with this and I'm going to work this through even though I might be a little disappointed. Every single one of us are one of those three people, if not more. And so today, here's what I want to leave with us. Number one, today is a day of response. It's a day of response. And I'm asking you today, between you and the Holy Spirit, between you and God, between you and yourself, to say, God, where am I with you? A, do I think, am I one of the ones who thought I had this all figured out? And clearly I missed it. Or, Maybe I'm kind of just sitting at the door in, of the wardrobe, kind of peering into this whole new world and going, there's a lot here that meets the eye. There's a lot more here to discover. There's an invitation for you to discover more of who God is. There's an invitation for you to discover more of what these scriptures are about, more of what the table is, more. There's an invitation because there is more in the resurrection than we understand. Jonathan, if you would, there are some of us here today, I'm asking you, if you are like the women who came and you say, that's me, that's me, I'm in, I'm all in. I'm asking you to be a carrier, be a carrier of this message and say, Jesus, I can't, you know, cause I know what we do. I'm the same way. I like, I don't have a degree. I only own one Bible. It's the NIV. I don't own the ESV. I start my Bible reading plan, but I don't finish it. I can't go share the God. No, 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 no. Okay, listen, you, you, you are qualified because if you hear and you believe and you're showing up to present spices and offerings because there's something that you're responding to, Jesus says, I will use you. Come, I will allow you to share this message of hope and life to everybody around you. You don't have to have a degree. I believe it could help you in the future, but right now, where you are right now, you are qualified to share this message of new life, the gospel of hope to a dying world around you. Maybe you're like the 11 and saying, this is crazy. Here's what I'd ask for you. I would ask for you just to pause and think again and go, maybe there's something here I'm not seeing. Maybe there's something here I missed. And maybe you today are like Peter. You're saying, Jesus, I know I let you down. I know I'm a little disappointed, but, but I'm gonna get up out of my chair and I'm gonna run and I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep searching. I'm gonna keep searching. I'm gonna keep chasing. And I know, I know in the right time, in the right way, I know that you're gonna meet me. Friend, this morning, if you would just take a minute, just bow your head and just, and just do a little inventory with you and, and God right now. 
We're about to come to the table here in a minute. But before we do that, I'm just asking that in the presence of the Holy Spirit, you'd have a conversation and you would respond to the invitation that Jesus is making of you by virtue of the resurrection. living God. Jesus, the resurrected one, I am asking today by the ministry and the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit that you would visit us again, that you would lead us into another notch, another level, another degree of revelation of the resurrection. This new world, this new kingdom, this new life, this new ministry that you've invited us into. And Holy Spirit, in whatever way you are sending out an invitation to each and every one of us, I pray for the grace and the power to respond. You may be here today and you may have run and you may have rejected, but today you may be hearing Jesus say, this is real, this is for you. Would you come, would you fellowship at my table because you belong. And I am praying today that genuine, genuine repentance, the ability to say, God, I'm so sorry I've hurt you. I'm so sorry I've gone my own way, but I ask you for faith to respond, to say, if this is the invitation I receive, I say yes to Jesus. I say yes to you washing me clean, my conscience, my memory, my guilt, my shame, my inadequacy. I say yes to you washing that off of me. I say yes to belonging to your family. I say yes to entering into a love relationship with you. I say yes to discovering who you are the rest of my life. I say yes to the purpose and plan for which you created me. I'm asking today, Holy Spirit, that by grace that we would say yes. Here at Antioch Church, we have an what we call an open table philosophy. It would be as if my family were preparing all week long to have a, just a throw down meal with our family. And yet we just throw it out there and say, hey, if you guys are hungry, come join us. There's more than enough food for you. That's what the table is today. There's more than enough grace for you. There's more than enough life and hope and freedom and forgiveness for you. And you are wanted at the table and in the family. So Antioch, would we stand together this morning? And we want to invite every single one of you to come and join us in this memorial meal 
where we participate in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus through the sacrament of the Eucharist, the body broken and the blood shed. We bid you to come this morning. Thank you for listening to the Antioch Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, visit AntiochCOS.com.